Our scripture for this morning comes from Acts 4, verses 32 through 35. Before we read, let us pray. Living God, help us to hear your holy word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Listen for the word of the Lord. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The book of Acts is written about the very beginnings of the Christian community. This group of people has just witnessed the ministry, the sacrifice, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They've been transformed by his message and his radical love. And his resurrection proved his identity as the Messiah. This group is actively growing in number. In Acts 2, there are 2,000 in this group of believers. By Acts 4, there are 5,000. And they're of one heart, one soul, and no one among them is in need. Somehow, this group that was facing such intense opposition was not only growing, but was strengthening. How the heck did they do this? Well, Acts 4, verses 32 through 35, show us exactly how they did this. The apostles, or the 12 that were chosen to spread the gospel, courageously continued to witness to Christ's message in their preaching and in the acts and wonders they performed within the community. The community of believers witnessed to Christ's mission and ministry by providing for each other. They took such good care of each other that those in the surrounding community who were non-believers thought, wait, I want what they have. And they investigated and realized that this community was so strong in their interdependence because they were radically following Jesus's teachings to care for those in need. Acts 4 isn't telling us to go out and sell all of our property and lay the proceeds at the feet of Amy, Mary Kay, Janet, Jason, and Wilson, though that would be a funny image. It's showing us an example of how a new community in the midst of turmoil and renewal chose to care for one another. As a faith community renewed by the reminder of resurrection and as a faith community discerning how to slowly re-engage with one another following this year-long worldwide crisis. How might we at FPC find new ways to care for one another? 
Recently, independent journalist Anne Helen Peterson wrote about what it might look like for us to reorganize our lives in order to live more interdependently. She points out that many of our needs and our family's needs are not being met while living in the way that our American society deems as ideal. Some of us suffer from loneliness because of our society's emphasis on individual households and nuclear families. Some of us suffer from the weight of daily household tasks and chores. Some of us are trying to balance the cost of childcare and work. Most of us are anxious, exhausted, and stretched thin. It hasn't always been this way. Only in the past 100 years have we become so isolated from each other, so individual. And if this pandemic has revealed anything to us, it's that we need community. We need to support each other in day-to-day -day life. Peterson asks, so what would other ways of living even look like? We often don't have to look too far to find them. They're in our immediate histories, in our immediate proximity, in everything from babysitting co-ops to barn raisings. You don't need a lot of resources to start them. You just need an abundance of imagination, enough to overcome our current understanding of what the rhythms of daily life should look like. She says, broadening your imagination when it comes to close community might mean unlearning a lot of understandings about what it might mean to come of age. It means considering what more collaborative living and care scenarios would look like. That might mean living with more than one family in one home, but it might also look like potted life or doing even more exchange of or collaboration on childcare, cooking, chores, and general life. And what if we just chose to share our gifts to bring others joy, just because, just to lighten someone's load or bring a smile to their faces? Growing up, whenever my dad wasn't working in our own yard, we could usually find him halfway down the street weed whacking the entire neighborhood. In fact, as I was writing this sermon, he was next door blowing the leaves off of our neighbor's driveway because he heard that her family was coming in town. A friend shared with me that she used to live on a street that had two lawnmowers. Everyone knew where they were and everyone was able to access them at any time. And it worked out just fine. What if a church had a community garage or a community closet, almost like a library, but full of items that we only use occasionally? What if it was filled with things like small appliances and tools, even party supplies, and all of us could access it at any time? As a part of my internship with FPC, I've gotten to explore leading some classes about caring for the earth as a means of honoring God's creation. Along the way, I've learned that there's an entire realm of theology about ecology. 
It reminds us that our highest call is to till and keep the earth. To draw the sustenance we need from nature and to do it with care so that nature can continue to flourish and benefit all of God's creation. So from an earth care perspective, I love all of these ideas about living in common community. Sharing homes and responsibilities and resources cut down on consumption and waste. These ideas slow down the depletion of precious resources in impoverished countries. They cut down on carbon emissions and reduce the effects of climate change. They open us up to creative energy and funds that we can use to care for others in our larger global community. The believers in this early community must have shared their needs with each other. They must have expressed what they were struggling with. How else would others have been able to meet their needs? How often do we paste a smile on our faces and pretend like everything is fine? Or how often do we mask our anxieties, exhaustion, and loneliness with platitudes? Or with other feelings like anger? It's comfortable to show up at church ready to participate in the familiar routine of worship or to attend an outreach meeting to discuss how the church might be able to lift up those in need across the world. It can be incredibly uncomfortable to reveal that we are struggling. It takes vulnerability and courage to ask for help. How can we be of one heart and one soul like these early believers if we aren't vulnerable with each other? How can we be a community of believers that witnesses to the mission of Jesus Christ if we cannot be authentic with each other? How can we care for each other if we don't know what care is needed? As we experience renewal as a community of faith in light of our celebration of Christ's resurrection and in light of our long-awaited reconnection, may we be vulnerable and courageous in expressing our needs and imaginative and generous in sharing our time, talents, and resources. Amen.